Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. So happy to have you here. And if you're watching on YouTube or on my website, thanks for being a part of the Menopause Movement. Today, we welcome Annabelle Wilson to the podcast. So Annabelle was inspired to find a practical, modern antidote to universal disconnection, suffering, and the overall lack of well-being across societies. She created the Profit for Purpose startup Living Ashram. Now, its purpose is to provide a clear path to whole human well-being by removing the guesswork, overwhelm, and wasted effort from the quest for positive mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. The company seamlessly interweaves neuroscience, psychology, physiology, mindfulness, spirituality, and multiple healing modalities using evidence-based techniques to empower users to create substantive and sustainable positive shifts in their well-being and their lives. The information is delivered through their app, workshops, guided practice, and data analytics. Their 360 ethical business model means that 25% of all profits are allocated to fund targeted programs at their charity partners to enable adults and children to break free from the cycle of abuse and live healthy, independent lives. Annabelle is a self-defined global nomad. She grew up and worked across Asia, Europe, Central America, and the USA. She has a Bachelor of Arts from the UC Berkeley and an MBA from London Business School. She discovered her purpose in 2015 and has been on a magically expansive journey of seeking, shifting, and evolution ever since. In our modern society, we see a fear of loss of youth, of relevancy, of sexuality as we, and sensuality as we age. However, we can continue to blaze our own path and continue to create a rich, abundant, joyfully juicy, spark-filled life regardless of age. And we spent some time speaking about this on the podcast. It was really great to have Annabelle, and I can't wait to have her back. We really did go into quite a few different topics that we both are really passionate about. Uh, during the podcast, we talk about the definition of breakthrough and Annabelle's major breakthrough in 2015, the importance of taking a step back to focus on our breath and the benefits that we get from that, and how beliefs shape our reality, and why it's important to examine every single belief we have in order to be free. We talk about spiritual longing. We talk about guilt and shame and its consequences. We talk about forgiveness and how it's necessary to forgive to get past all those hurts that happen to us. Now stay to the end to find out a powerful method to discover your core values. And at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And we talked about a lot of books today. Be sure to check the show notes for a discount code also to livingashram.com so that you can use this well-being application to level up your life now. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts at Stitcher or Spotify. And thanks for all of the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go through it alone. You're not alone in your menopause. I'm here to tell you that. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. And now let's get to Annabelle. This is going to be great. This is a great episode. I'm so excited. <music> So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes. Where are you? Where do you live? I'm in London. So I've just, it's beautiful summer day today. I just came back oh, nice. from a walk. The only bad thing is the allergies. So that's not fabulous for the hay fever, but right. it's fine with yeah. the sprays and the eye drops. It's all good. We're just Great. happy to see the sunshine and blue skies. Right. It does, you don't get much sunshine there, right? 
It's yeah. been all right this May. We've had hail for every single May I've been here in the last 20 years and <laughs> sunshine, wow. four seasons in one day. Let's talk about your app. What led you to creating an app? It's a lifestyle app, right? It's a well-being app and it takes a okay. very root level up whole human approach to health and well-being. And okay. The app was, it's a long story, which I'll summarize about how the app came into creation. And the company, Living Ashram, really, the name kind of says it all. And ashram is traditionally a place of seeking, evolution, of wisdom, of knowledge, of answers. And I was, I felt blessed and fortunate enough to have been able to go all around the world as a product of reaching a stage in my life where Really, it was undeniable that a breakthrough either we have choices sometimes in life where we can take the situation we're in and really learn and grow from it and really look at, do some really deep inner work, really look at what we've been doing, what serves us, what's healthy, what's not healthy. Or we can, can put, bury everything under, distract ourselves and continue as we were. And I reached the stage in my life about five years ago where I decided it was really, really time. They, I, I had received all the messages and it was time I really understood. I really wanted to understand what was driving my behavior, my patterns of behavior. And I really wanted to reach the stage where I could become the healthiest version of myself. So I went that I was fortunate enough to have the right leaders and guides. I actually had my breakthrough at Esalen. <laughs> here's what? the part at Esalen in Big Sur. It, it was hmm. founded by... It's a beautiful story. It's in Big Sur, which is a beautiful, beautiful part of mm, Northern California. Love it. And it was founded by two ex-Stanford graduates who had been to the East, had been to India, and had done all the seeking mm. there and really wanted to bring to the West all the different philosophies. So I think the greatest philosophers, seekers, teachers, everything from yoga to various different healing modalities have psychiatry, psychology, all, have all taught there at some stage. So mm. it's a really, it's quite, it's quite an amazing, everyone has their own experience there and there's so much on offer. And I just happen to have the right teacher, the right guide, but that. Well, we have brought, something like that up here. It's called the, the Omega Institute. Yes. Omega 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 Institute? Institute? Yes. yes, I have. That's yeah, definitely. Rye. Yes. Not right. In uh, Rhinebeck. Rhinebeck, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's closed now because we're in the pandemic, but uh, they're going to start back up next year. I think they're yeah. quite similar in intention and yeah. ethos, but going back to the journey towards the app, it really, mm -hmm. the breakthrough really helped me understand what my purpose was, why I was here, and to and what brought fulfillment to my life. And the app was the birth of all of that. It was the second stage of it. And Living Ashram was the concept of bringing that seeking that knowledge, that evolution, because not everyone has the awareness, the time, the resources to go on this long journey somewhere. And as we all know, the real work always starts when you come home, when you're surrounded by the hubris of day-to-day -day life in your relationships, at work, yeah. with children, surrounded by everything, all, your, all the triggers that would normally trigger you. And we wanted to bring to have something that was accessible all the time, where cost wasn't a factor, where you could have the most impactful practices that pull and we draw from our collective experience it's decades of experience and research and practice across neuroscience psychology physiology mindfulness mm -hmm. spirituality and multiple healing modalities so we're not wedded to one way of doing things we're so open-minded we're such big collaborators we're constantly looking at everything from neuroscience studies and the latest breakthroughs there to different healing modalities and energy psychology and psychology and energy work. So we bring it all together in a really organic way that also fully respects that all of our users are time sensitive. So they don't have time to sit for 60 minutes and do an incredibly deep practice every single day. So we've distilled it down to what are the practices that are all, we're all completely science and evidence-based, which ones have proven health benefits? How can we deliver this in a way that can slot easily into people's lives? How can mm -hmm. we do it in a really comprehensive way that meets their mental, emotional, physical, 
and spiritual needs. And that's, that's our app in essence. Half of it is a well-being app. So it's a guided, well, well, half of it is a guided well-being program. So you have Mm -hmm. a series of very condensed practices there ranging from five minutes to 15 minutes. And the other half, and some of one of the practices, it's called deeds of appreciation. And while we have conscious breathing on there because there's such a multitude of health benefits for that, and as little as one minute of regular conscious breathing provides so many health it'll benefits. Calm like down boosting, the, um, it'll calm down the the, co- the, the cortisol. Res- yes, yeah. exactly. The adrenals at lowers our cortisol levels, it alleviates symptoms of depression, of anxiety, improves our immune response, decreases symptoms of PTSD and ADD. Like when you see, when you look into all the health benefits, you and it's not something you need to do in a dedicated eyes closed practice. You can do it when you're working at your computer. You can do mm-hmm. it when you're waiting in a line or a queue. You can do it while you're waiting on the phone. You can do it while you're driving around. So it's something that's easily incorporated and it's our breast no one can take that away from us we have we can use it anytime that's yeah. the that's the beauty of that practice and so I, just we also I just have a resource just, hub part of it where yeah, it's not before just we us. before we go there yes. let's let's just back up yes. for a minute i, I want to talk for a second about purpose because mm-hmm. you said that you know it took you five years to kind of get to the place where you were able to find your purpose. And, you know, I get that because I've recently decided to leave medicine to pursue my more passion project here, which is the menopause movement. And one of the, one of the litmus tests that I use when it comes to doing something now is does it make my heart sing? And so, Mm -hmm. so what I want to know from you is how did you get there? You know, what, what Mm -hmm. happened for you as you moved into, because the app is the app and we can talk about that all day long, but what we can't talk Mm -hmm. about is how, how to really get to, I mean, we'd spend a lot of time talking about midlife meaning, midlife purpose, things like that. We're never over the hill. We're never, we have, you know, anybody can reinvent themselves at any time. It doesn't, yeah. it isn't just for Madonna, right? Or, or Lady Gaga. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> we can reinvent ourselves at any stage in our lives, no matter what stage. And I'm just going to clarify that point. It actually took me 41 years to find my purpose. Okay. And it took me. Fair enough. It's now, I've now been. And when I had my breakthrough, that's when everything fell into place, when I knew what my purpose was right at that moment of the breakthrough. It took five years or not quite five years about three years to finally arrive at what that looked like we tried doing a few different things but to get to this stage it took five years but so so, breakthrough mm -hmm. so to me breakthrough has always been getting out of my own way and getting out of my head you know and starting to take action so what does breakthrough mean to you I'm calling it breakthrough so I don't freak anyone out by saying awakening, but that's essentially an interchangeable, an interchangeable word for me. What does that mean to me? It was actually the first time where I felt fully present and fully connected with myself. And okay. I don't mean that in a shallow way. I meant everything. The full channel was open. And that's when I felt fully connected to myself why I was here in this world. And it it was almost like my soul and my heart cracked right open. And I knew without a question of a doubt why I was here and what purpose I was here to serve. And I've never, never looked back. That has never been in question along all the bumps and the ups and downs along the way that that was what I mean by breakthrough. And I can't, I guess the best way I can describe it would be the highest high out of everything that you've ever felt all at the same moment, the light comes back into your eyes. And it wasn't for me. I saw the other people who were in my group and workshop at the time were all together for two weeks and everything changes. When the light inside Mm -hmm. you changes, when your mindset changes, when you reach that moment of awakening or breakthrough, when you you break through, let me be very, I'll put that into more concrete instead of abstract terms. I think breakthrough is best described when we break through these really long-held beliefs that are buried so deep in our subconscious that we're not even aware they're there. They don't even belong to us. Most of us have been programmed since childhood and by society along our way into adulthood and way into adulthood. We're holding all these beliefs and they're not even us. We're living a life that 
maybe doesn't fulfill us or bring us joy in the way that's really aligned with what our closest values and what our deepest soul's desires are. So I guess that was essentially that breakthrough, punching through all of those layers and seeing the answer and the truth of what really is you. It's interesting because when, when we start to really examine our beliefs, I mean, there's huge benefits to examining our beliefs. And, you know, I, I tell this story pretty frequently about how I formed a belief when I was five. Mm-hmm. And that belief was that I couldn't make money unless I was a doctor. And that subconscious programming led me to start medical school at 31. All right. So it was oh. like almost like a second career. Yeah. And I was like, I can't make money unless I'm a doctor. I can't make money. And and that came from something my mom said when I was five years old. And, you know, she had to, you know, a brother-in-law and a brother who are doctors. And she made some comment like, they're so rich. And so my five-year-old mind took that in and said, oh, I have to be a doctor if I want to be rich. And how did <laughs> you break through that? How did you break out of that mindset? Yeah. So, so what I belief. ended up doing... It was a guided meditation that we did with James Wedmore, actually. We did this guided meditation, and it's like he, he asked the question, why haven't you made money in your business yet? And then I went back to that place where I realized that. And so then you know, I did some work and busted that belief and said, well, that's not true. I, you know, it's, it's absolutely not true. I mean, I can make money doing anything I want if I set my mind to it. And so, you know, and so here we are, and now we have the menopause movement. We're helping to transform women's lives and, you know, women in menopause and, and helping them to, like, see everything differently. And so that's, that's exactly what we want to do. And I think your app is probably something that is complementary to that as we move through the program. But the other question I wanted to ask you is, Ooh. what was your spiritual practice before your breakthrough? And what is your spiritual practice now? Believe it or not... <laughs> I used to want to be a nun when I was, which everyone just thinks is ridiculous when I was. No, it's not. You wanted to be a nun as a life aspiration in the early years of my life. Sure. But I always had. Wait, wait, you were, you were raised Catholic. In the early, early years. Right. And you went to Catholic school, right? No, I didn't go to Catholic school. You didn't go to Catholic school. Okay. But you were raised Catholic. Because I went to Catholic school for a couple of years and of course I wanted to be a nun. I mean, you know, except for those (laughs) nuns who wrapped us on the knuckles. Those weren't, those weren't nice nuns. And there was also, yeah. of course, Sound of Music. <laughs> <That> <laughs> gave a romanticized version of it. Yeah. So there was, in terms of spiritual practice, I always, always believed in a higher power. I always believed mm-hmm. in God. But I was one of those weirdos who would be equally comfortable in a church as in a temple, basically any holy place. It was more of the spiritual connection. I didn't have the words and the vocabulary as a child right. and as a young person growing up, but I always felt that deep, deep sense of connection and that longing, that longing. I remember standing whatever, wherever we happened to be, um, traveling all around the world and standing and looking up long after the rest of my family had gone to bed, looking out at the lights in the city and this incredible longing, which I didn't realize was the separation that I had felt. I didn't have the words. I didn't have that knowledge. I was a child. Yeah. Took me many years to understand what that feeling was. So, in terms of, yes, I'd practice yoga for many, many years, decades, and I and I always had a very open. I felt a very open relationship with with God, with Source, with the universe, mm-hmm. whatever word people want to use. But I've also had the belief that yes, it's one God, many different names, but it's ultimately the same and deep respect for the multiple different religions and beliefs and faiths that are out there. But so I've always been a spiritual person. I wouldn't necessarily say so much religious, but spiritual. That channel was open, but then became clouded over the years. You get distracted, you know, you get your degrees, you get, you have life, you have you have a family, you have children, you have partners, you have businesses. So things get, and I've, I'm so blessed and so grateful to have found my way back to this place. So you found your way back to a spiritual practice. And, you know, one of the things I like to say is that we are, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And, there, you know, there's so plenty true. of texts that help us to see that. And one of the ones I'm working through right now is this one. Have oh, you worked through this one? Yes. This is, so this is the, you know, the, the Course in Miracles book. It's heady. That's very heady, but I'm, I'm doing the exercises every day and it's starting to kind of gel with, 
the the stuff I've learned from you know self-realization fellowship and you know having been raised Catholic and then gone into I went into some you know like kind of con- conservative Christian evangelical type when I was younger and then I kind of rejected it all for a long time and I was an atheist and then I mm-hmm. moved on and started having a spiritual practice again after many years just saying oh and I actually it was when I read autobiography of a yogi is when everything changed for me. But I, I think that our goal here, and you know, if you're if you're somebody who doesn't believe in spirituality, then you know, maybe this this episode isn't for you. But I think the goal that of us when we come here is to kind of stop being separated and understand that we're not separate from our source. That journey we talk about the journey home. And it depends the audience I'm speaking to, but the real journey home is to self and source or with people who are not spiritual or not yet ready, which is, there's nothing wrong. They're just not there yet. It's, They're not, yeah. I talk about, it's the journey home to the healthiest version of yourself, which is of course a fully connected self that is connected not just to yourself, but the world beyond that, whatever that means to people. So that's kind of a more palatable or acceptable way that a lot of people come to this but what i love spirituality is such a wide thing and there's so many different modalities and some teachers like to linger a little bit more in the suffering and and that phase and god knows i've gone through enough dark nights of the soul and all of the deep 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 shadow work which is i think essential in reaching a certain place but when people are ready and when they're guided and definitely done in conjunction with a very, very well-qualified therapist, because that opens up all kinds of trauma and windows that really needs Mm -hmm. to be carefully guided. So, but where I really think the lesson is, and the joy, that return to joy, that return to living our most vibrant, full, juicy, abundant lives, that's where we're meant to be. We're not here to suffer. We're here to be in joy, to live abundant lives, to be fully connected to ourselves. We're not here to live in guilt and shame. And it's okay to be vulnerable. We're not here to, you know, you were raised Catholic. We're not here to be in guilt and shame. And, you know, on top of that, I have my Asian background with traditional, not blaming anyone. I'm just saying this is the culture of you will be a filial pious. You, know? <laughs> you will be a good, good performer, a good achiever, yeah. all of these things. You will sure. be a good individual. So there's all of these layers, but ultimately freedom is where, why, why I'm in this, why this is very much a mission motivated business. And mm-hmm. uh, this is a calling in life. It's really to empower people to take back control of why they're here, to give them awareness, to guide them on the journey home. You know, we're all at different steps of the journey and what that journey home looks different for everyone. But that return to joy, that complete forgiveness of self, we're, we, it's unbelievable how much we don't forgive ourselves and how much we're holding ourselves to these almost impossibly high standards of perfection I still do it to some aspects and it's always a realization when oh why am I giving myself such a hard time on that when we can actually let's let's soften into ourselves let's really listen let's really listen to what's really important to us and put our energy there and let's keep our focus on no we're not of course it's not possible to be happy and fully present 100% of the time we're not Buddha I mean I'm not I'm not there yet (laughs) it's still a process but Let's keep our focus on abundance, on joy, on love, on grace, on compassion. Yes, there are dark days. And let's sit with that and let's allow that as well. But I wish collectively for humanity that we would stop beating ourselves up, that we would forgive ourselves and in forgiving ourselves, learn to forgive others and just dropping all the anger, the grudges, the fear, facing them and really learning through them to evolve this, I mean, this is my wish and my deepest right. desire well, there's, for there's everyone. There's a couple of things, you know, there's a couple of things I want to say, you know, one of the things mm-hmm. that I like to tell, tell everybody who's in my program is that suffering is optional. It's suffering is optional mm-hmm. in menopause, suffering is optional in life. Because I love that. Nothing, nothing has meaning except for that, that we apply. And, I love that. and that, 
that is very hard for people. But when you start to really unpack all the beliefs that you grew up with and start to understand that, that every, you know, the only like real, there's a few laws in the universe, right? Like we know that at least on the earth, when you drop something, it's going to fall at 9.8 meters per second squared. That's <laughs> a law. And it's always true, right? It, it might be a little bit different at the equator, but it's still, it's always true. But it's not always true that, you know, the hate, say, say, for example, the hate that Westboro Baptist Church teaches their children that God hates fags. That's not always true. That's a belief, right? And so, so what I like oh, to tell that people hurts is when I hear that, I know it <laughs> that hurts, it's physically bad, but, hurts, but, right? It but, hits but remember, right here in the heart. <laughs> but these children are, are being programmed that way. And one of the things that, you know, I was, I grew up in, in a very, 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 you know, it was, it was the 60s and the 70s when I was growing up. And it was, you know, we're, we're still very racist in this country. And we're trying to fix that, but it's not easy. And I had to go back and look at all the beliefs that came from my parents mm -hmm. about race and kind of confront the institutional racism that I grew up with mm -hmm. and forgive myself for that which was, which was hard. And, and just like, Oh my God, you know, I, and thinking that I wasn't racist, but I was, and having to confront that, that was hard, but mm -hmm. I was, you know, able to kind of look at that. And, you know, while I'll never experience, you know, what happens with another race, I, you know, at least I can have more compassion now. And, and I actually see when I'm making mistakes <laughs> and so, and where I made mistakes in the past. And so I'm able to have that conversation. So I wanted to mention, you know, you've probably read The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And if you haven't... Funny, you're the second person that's mentioned that book to me. I'll oh, take that as yeah. a sign. And I haven't read it, yeah. but the, you, the concepts. Yeah. Hmm. So what I love about that book is, is that he talks about being open and being closed. And so when you, when you have to experience the darkness, the, the thing to do is to feel it and let it come through you and never right. close. And he says it and it's, and he's, you know, he tells you what to do, but not how to do it. And so it's, it's, it's in that book, it's, you know, I had to read it. I've probably read that book like seven times now in, in terms of, because he talks about enlightenment in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. about a fortress that you build around yourself. And, and, mm -hmm. but, but he also says never close. And when you have the anger, when you have the pain, when you have it, just let it come through you. And so for me, I see that as just like leaving the heart chakra open and yes. feeling things, right? Yeah. And it's not always easy. And, you know, I, I react a lot too. And, you know, we're all works in progress, but that's, that's a book that I, I try to recommend to people. And the other thing is when it comes to forgiveness, self-forgiveness, mm -hmm. I love one of the exercises in Gabby Bernstein's May Cause Miracles, mm -hmm. which is, I forgive myself for thinking that thought. Mm -hmm. I forgive myself for thinking that thought because at the end of the day, we're our own worst critics and we are, Definitely. we are always going to be, and, and, you know, we're, we're always going to be pushing, pushing, pushing back at ourselves. I'm too fat. I'm ugly. I, I should never have said that to that person. I should never have taken that action. Oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. I should, you know, all those things that we, for whatever reason, you know, it's, it's, it's a human thing that we have this voice that is bad, talk, talks bad to us. Our inner critic, it serves a very distinct function. It's a protector yeah. of our ego. It serves so many functions and we can learn to work with it because it will never ever go away, but we can definitely learn to have a healthier relationship with it. It's funny that you bring up forgiveness because one of the core practices on our app is a forgiveness and gratitude practice exactly yeah. because it goes so deep and it's one of it the does. core places where we can release and move. And what people don't realize is when we, or what many people don't realize is when we hold on to past hurt and pain, it actually, our bodies cannot distinguish the difference between when we're just recalling something, a memory, and when it's happening real time. So we're, yeah. we're just literally inflicting more layers, more layers, more and layers. That's and why, we're feeling that's why it visualization It does. It does. Yeah. And that's, that's why, but, yeah. The gratitude coupled with the gratitude at the end, because some people, gratitude practice is beautiful, but you know what? Not all of us are capable all the time of starting there. So mm -hmm. let's face what it is that we're holding. Let's work through it. Let's really listen to it. Sometimes giving it a voice, hearing it, that's all we wanted in the first place. We all want to be seen and heard. 
this practice that we have leads, and not just ours, there's other forgiveness and gratitude practices out there, but it goes deep and it has you look at, has us look at what the lesson was. What is the lesson? What was the gift in all of that? So you take them through a journey. Everything. It's definitely a journey, but done in a very gentle, accessible way as well. And a journey back to gratitude and to blessings. So it's a big, I think in addition to the forgiveness, looking at, I would love to talk a little bit about, I feel the menopause movement. I have four birthdays before 50. (laughs) I'm turning 47 next at the Uh end of the year. And I think as women, we this weighs a little bit more on us because a man can have children all the way until you know, they stop producing sperm, basically. Let's just so they produce sperm their whole lives. Exactly. So they can start literally yeah. have children. They can keep being it's okay for them to physically okay uh, to, for them to keep literally mm-hmm. propagating and being sexual and active until their deathbed. Whereas yeah. for women we have different stages. And as we start looking at fifty and beyond, which is very relevant to the people that you're the community of these gorgeous women that you're helping it's we start having these fears and it's deeply tied so deeply to how do we identify ourselves so we start fearing for some of us maybe it's start we start fearing the loss of youth of beauty of relevancy what about our sensuality? Well, there's more to it than that. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just that. The, this audience and you know, the women who come into the program, yeah. they, they, have these, they, they don't recognize themselves anymore. Menopause has changed who they are. And it's not just the, the act of menopause, but it's like it's the way that they are interacting with their lives and the fact that there's, there's a loss of purpose in, in a lot of them. And helplessness. So help them. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's some helplessness, but it's, it's more, it's more like, I feel like an alien has been down and taking control of my body. I don't mm-hmm. know where these moods are coming from. I feel like managing menopause is a full-time job. These are things that, that women say to me. And mm-hmm. what we do in the menopause movement is we help them to see their purpose mm-hmm. I mean, we talk all about like what's happening and how the medical establishment definitely wants you to think that you're having a medical problem and it's not a medical problem, it, yeah. you know, and it doesn't need medication, right. you know, and so, so we kind of work on that and then, and then we move into how to support it through movement and eating and the way we think. And so those yeah. are the minnow mate, the minnow mate pillars. And so when, when somebody becomes a minnow mate, they get the minnow mate, you know, we, we teach them science, we teach them the minnow mate way of eating, the minnow mate way of moving, and the minnow mate way of thinking. And then we, we move those on. core pillars that you just talked about that would serve yeah. anyone at any stage of life, <laughs> seriously, but yeah. in terms of healthy movement, healthy nutrition, healthy mindset, that's with us. But I think there's more immediate urgency and call for it when we reach a stage in our lives, when, as you say, we feel like an alien has taken over our body. And who wants that? (laughs) Not only are we moving into a what's traditionally known as I I don't even want to use these word this term or this piece of vocabulary, because it's Mm -hmm. so foul. (laughs) But the crone stage, you know, you move from maiden to full womanhood to crone. That makes me think of some witch in Macbeth with <laughs> the hook nose and the hairy wart, and that's not what the lady, women the lady, are. The, the, the witch from <laughs> Snow White, right? <laughs> yes, and that's not yeah. what women are. What about softening into our experience and our grace and our position as, from all of that wisdom, as leaders, as guides, mm. and really, and who said we needed to lose? This is a big thing for many women as well. You start to feel like you can't be attractive or sensual or sexual anymore mm-hmm. not just because of what's happening to your body all the changes the hot yeah. flashes the sweating well, it's not just that i mean some women actually lose libido because of loss of hormones yes, i understand and we actually if we you know we have a sexual health series here on the podcast mm-hmm. and i've met with julia lolly a couple of times and mm-hmm. and so she's the pleasure witch and so we talk a bit about you know <laughs> great first one, the <laughs> talk about no, witches <laughs> yeah no no it was great it, it, it was really the first one was just about you know sexuality and then the second one was like increasing your pleasure using the jade egg and you know how it got a bad rap and and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. So that was that. Those are a couple of of really interesting podcasts that we put together. Well, pleasure, uh, exactly yeah. that. Why is there an, a belief that we need to lose pleasure or vibrancy 
as we age as women. The men certainly don't have that belief about themselves. And why do we why do we keep buying as women into this ancient belief system that's not even our own? And I think the more of us that can step up and break through that and live life on our own terms and really do that through, we can talk through some tools and things like that mm-hmm. in terms of mindset, I mean, nutrition and physical movement is incredibly key. And that's what we add in in our, in our information that we provide people mm-hmm. as well. But in terms of mindset, that is the biggest change yeah. that we can make on our own independently. That, that's true. And it, I mean, mindset is a hard, is a hard concept to teach natively. And so we bring it up in a different, in a different way, but our beliefs shape our reality. We, we start with yeah. that. And Definitely. what, what I love to do is have them really like examine, you know, examine every belief they have. And, and yeah. one of the beliefs that we are bombarded with from our childhood is that men are more important than women. And oh that, my goodness. The, <laughs> right. You know, one of the, one of the ahas I had on one of the podcasts I was doing, I don't know who it was with, but I actually said, you know, I looked at everything. I have a male, a male God. I have a male, I had a male view of myself because everything was about men. And so I saw myself as male. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, well, I'm not male anymore. You know, I can't see myself as male mm-hmm. because I didn't have, you know, there's not a society. We don't have a societal norm where it's okay to be female. And almost every single podcast I bring up, you know, the patriarchy, mm-hmm. but if we're going to be women in this society and take back our power, one of the things we have to do is acknowledge the fact that we were ra- you know, we were raised thinking, you know, in this whole thing that men, men are more important. And it's definitely been very more important, more capable, more hardworking, just more in general. Mm-hmm. I could bump up a lot in that in business world. And I, if you think about my business world, I'm work, I was on a mental health panel with traditional allopathic doctors, <laughs> neuroscientists, immunologists from Harvard and Stanford. And here I am. Yes, I embrace all of that, but I also embrace complementary medicine, alternative healing therapies, very open, because it's not an either or, it's complementary. It's complementary for a reason. So science and evidence based with all of this. And it takes real courage and self-belief, which we can all access, to stand up in places like that, where it's not always cozy, where it's not always loving, and it's certainly not always heart-led. It's a lot ego-led with a string of titles and degrees after and to really stand in our full power and to stand in that space and, and speak our truth, not yeah. in an angry way, in a calm way, but from a place of authenticity and integrity. I th- and honestly, I have so much respect for women as I get older, more and more respect every day even. <laughs> and the role that we play, we're space holders. I love men too, so please, this is not a man bashing. Yeah, thing. no, I, I and I don't, I don't bash the men. I mean, there are plenty of men who believe in in you know the egalitarian way of of doing things, and and there are there are lots of great men out there. There are lots of shitty men out there. But right? the system. So, but there's a lot of shitty women out there, right? What I like to say is that you know we as women have had the boot of the man on our neck for a long, long time. And it goes back to, as a matter of fact, and, and this is a book that I mention a lot on the podcast. It's called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. And it is a great book that I actually learned about from Ani DeFranco, of all people, who is a folk singer. Mm-hmm. And it just is a history of language and religion and how all of the gods were female until we started having written language. We started using the other side of our brain. And when we started using the other side of our brain, the men started, you know, like tearing apart the female gods and making them, you know, mountains or mounds of different parts. It's, it's fascinating, fascinating read. And it makes sense because when you start, you know, you start using the other side of your brain, you know, your rational and, you know, the rational side, that's the, the left brain, is what we really, really love here in America. <laughs> we don't really look at the the right side of the brain, which is you know the spacious, artsy, everything, anything is possible, and that's what we want to try to access when we meditate, right? Definitely, because yeah. we get we get all the possibility for anything. You know that's why that's why at the end of a yoga session, savasana is so great. <laughs> well, it just, just like brings things up. 
it allows us to access our prefrontal cortex, which is where all the creativity, rational thought, strategic thinking, and things come up. Things come up all the time, which is amazing. But here's the opportunity and the gift in menopause in in amidst all of the... It actually is the beginning. It can be the beginning if we think about things that way. Mm-hmm. Look, the children are usually older by that time. So it leaves us and our careers or our businesses and our our partnerships. It's at a different stage. It's a more settled stage in life at some point, So in some aspects. So it's actually a chance, a freedom. We have freedom to explore. We have freedom to give back to ourselves. We have freedom to be curious and to learn again and to to embrace our independence. Um, and again, it does go back to where we placed our identity and value. I know there's a lot of women who maybe put all of their focus on their children growing up. So the empty nesters, when their children leave, you're there with a partner. Maybe you haven't had a deep connection with for many years. or And it's terrifying. And there's such a sense of loss and sadness and loss of identity, loss of relevancy. I'm not important anymore. I've lost my purpose. But here's a chance. Yes, sit in that loss and feel that sadness and feel those the passing of the years. Of course, that and celebrate as well all of those beautiful memories. But also look at the future as an adventure. As and there, there are all kinds of questions now. We can. This is the freedom, really, to ask ourselves: What kind of woman do I want to be? What kind of partner do I want to be? What kind of leader do I want to be? And what am I passionate about? What am I curious about? What do I want to learn? And here you have all the opportunity and the time to do so now. <laughs> and That's true. That's true. I mean, for the, for the most part, people do. One of, mm-hmm. one of my favorite questions every single time there's any, any sort of event ever is, mm-hmm. what is the opportunity in this? Yes, beautiful. What is the opportunity I love that and your earlier question as well about what makes my heart sing. It's what brings mm. me joy. Does this feel like love everything can be boiled yeah. i even ask myself that question in business <laughs> with, you have with to. certain relationships does this feel like love or is this violating all kinds of boundaries so that's a, such a relevant it boils all we can put all kinds of frameworks very complicated very strategic but ultimately that's the question does it feel like love is this does this bring me joy yeah even in a business relationship, even in business negotiations, even in business relationships. So this is yeah, no, it's I mean question. One of the things that that I think you know my biggest breakthrough was was Mm -hmm. truly developing a spiritual practice and Mm. allowing myself to realize that there is something more. I mean, I remember when I was working with a stylist in New York and I said, you know, we were we were like shopping for you know I don't know what it was shopping for clothes or something and. And I said, well, you know, you know what happens when we die? And she's like, nothing. And I said, yep, nothing. And that was, tr- that, and that was you know, five years ago or something. And, and I truly believe that. I really I believe that. And now my feeling is that we are truly part of something more. And the only reason I believe that is because the evidence for me is showing that, that as I have developed my spiritual practice, my life has, everything I've wanted has come to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other things, but it's, it's just like, you know, all my relationships are improving and all of my goals are coming true. And I'm having to think bigger every single, every single day, it has to be bigger and bigger and bigger because I'm reaching all the goals that I have set for myself. And I do believe that it's a spiritual practice that made that happen for me. And so happy for you. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. It's, I couldn't yeah. agree more. It all starts inside it all starts yeah. with us, and when we change and shift and evolve, so does our outside world. It starts. Our outside world is always a reflection of who we are inside, who we think we are inside, That's our beliefs. True. So, if we think we're unworthy, if we if we don't think we deserve, if we don't, if we think all of these fear based mindset instead of abundance mindset, of course, our yeah. reality is going to. It is true that what you do, be careful of what you think, <laughs> because it does. It does manifest itself, not in a not in a fear-based way. So there's so much power in that. If we shift our mindset, I know you said to be careful of that word, but <laughs> I think some questions that we ask also that are important has to do with finding out what our core values are, what's mm-hmm. really important to us. And are our lives, are our thoughts 
intentions, words, actions, things that we say and do on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week, month-to-month, which turns into years, is that reflective of who we really, what's really important to us? Or are we a little bit on autopilot? So that's, these are always good take stock, step back moments where we can ask ourselves these questions to ensure that we are living lives, that we are behaving in a way, that we are speaking, we are conducting ourselves, and that we are living a life that's in full alignment with what our values are, with what's important to us. Because that's where the joy and fulfillment and happiness comes from. That integration instead of a disconnection and a misalignment, which causes all sorts of disease, you know, yeah. physically and mentally and and discomfort there's there's something about about figuring out your core values mm-hmm. do you have an exercise that you walk people through for that in core values what's really yeah. important to them it's a series of different things so it's really in term, I, I've never been so unclear in terms of my own core values, even though it's been cloudy. So it's something that I've been quite clear about. But I think starting off with what am I passionate about and what brings mm-hmm. me joy is a good starting point. So that's kind of yeah. a journaling exercise. What am I passionate about? What brings me joy? And then the second question I would ask is, what, where do I feel in lack? That's a really big one for people. A lot of, and this lack manifests itself in fear and anger in a, in a mm-hmm. different way of looking at things that is really li- all about limiting beliefs. So where do I feel in lack? Whether that's, do I feel like I'm lacking support? Do I feel like I'm lacking a loving partner? Do I like feel like I'm lacking yeah. respect? Yes. What, what's missing from my life that in my heart, I really, really want, if no one, you know, just in total secrecy, in total privacy, writing that all down without fear of judgment, not even from yourself, just being 1000% honest, where do I feel in lack? Where are my needs not being met? And where can I meet them? Those are, those are good starting points. And then really looking at what's important to you I mean, look at these words. What, what, what do they mean to people? For me personally, integrity, loyalty, mm. compassion, truth. And you know, think about, take a step back, look at your triggers. When do you get most upset by things? That will give you a very good indication also of not where the parts of you, of course, also where the parts of you need to be healed and where you yeah. feel in need that need to be met. But what's really important to you? So for me, integrity, of course, is pretty much almost number one. And it's because I can't bear being, I can't bear it when people lie. I would always 1000% rather hear the truth, no matter Mm. how ugly and how messy and how horrible it is. Tell me the truth. Then we can deal with it. We can fix it. We can, we can move past it. We not like we put all the broken pieces together, but let's, let's just be honest. And when you're having that heart to heart, totally open, genuine, authentic connection, there is not one thing that cannot be overcome, no matter how hideous. No, and believe me, I have, <laughs> I have seen the gamut of things and experiences, and there's not one thing that can't be done. So really, in terms of an exercise to unpack what's really important to people, maybe just thinking about what are those times where I was really hurt, those times where I was really angry or really scared, and thinking back to what that means for them, that is a way of finding out what our values right. are. I hope that makes sense. And, and well, no, it does. And and I mean, I think that's really, really great. And you know, for anyone who's listening, if you're if you're the type of person who really wants to find out what your core values are, then you know, maybe going back and listening to that again is going to be very helpful to you. I went through an exercise where I had to write a whole bunch of things, you know, like different types of values on. Mm-hmm papers and then I had to give one up, give one up, give one up until I had oh, one left. Tough. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I was and my 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 number one core value was spirituality and my number two mm. was wealth. Mm-hmm. And wealth was more along the lines of legacy because I have a special needs child. So I want to make sure mm-hmm. that he'll never have to, you know, worry for anything. You don't and even just, need to justify that. It's okay. <laughs> People have this fear of money, if you have money as a value or financial stability and wealth as a value, we have this fear that, oh, that makes me sound so greedy. That makes me sound, no, it doesn't. Money is an energy. It's a resource. It's an exchange. We need it to live life. We need it to give. We need, it's a transaction. And when we give it, when we pay it out to a supplier, to anything, 
then it's it's energy that moves on and on and on and goes on to nurture people. So let's all agree to move past the money yes. shame yeah, relationship. Money, money, yeah, money shame is is really something. I mean that that keeps us poor. And it took totally. me, you know, when I when I finally yeah. gave myself permission to earn money as a doctor, I started making a lot of money and I was able to put a lot of money away and I was pretty happy with that. And then, and then it, it just stopped serving me, you know, and then mm -hmm. COVID hit and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so, you know, so I really, really put my, all my eggs into, you know, helping, helping women discover their, their true nature and who they really are. And, and it's been, it's, it's, there's nothing better. I mean, Beautiful. you know, I come up from my coaching calls. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I just really love it. So it brings me a lot of joy. So that's you living your life of alignment yeah. there and yeah. purpose and, and fullness. So that's it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I've had this block toward the Abraham Hicks people. Just there's, there's a few, you know, there's, I, there's, I don't want to go into the story that, that I created mm -hmm. around it, but at the end of the day, I, I, I decided to go back and I, I do a lot of audiobooks and re-listen to the Vortex. Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, I'm going to just start again without my, without my judgment. And there's something that she says there in the Vortex as she's channeling Abraham and she says, mm -hmm. your emotions are your guide to help you decide what to do next. Mm. And I'd never really heard that before. I mean, I heard James Wedmore talk about it, but I never really mm -hmm. heard her say it in that way. And I never really understood emotions because we're never taught about emotions. You know, we're not taught what they're yeah. there for. We just have them and we're supposed to manage them. Mm -hmm. And it was really, this happened last night. So I, I was like, ah, oh. I think what happens is that we, we never, you know, even we hit menopause or, you know, we hit adulthood and we don't know how to manage our emotions. And sometimes, you know, people will s still kick and scream on the floor, yeah. you know, like a, like a teenager or like, I mean, or like a, to a toddler because and they that's don't know their anything inner different. child, <laughs> yeah. right. But they don't know anything different. That's how they, that's how they, you know, get their way. Right. And, you know, lots of people tend to still tantrum, but at the end of the day, what is, you know, what is the emotion and what is that emotion trying to guide you to? And when you it, can look at it as an yeah. adult, it's, mm -hmm. it's very different. Very different and very empowering. That emotion, listening yeah. to our emotions, that's exactly what is the unanswered need? What need is not being met? And that is real inner child work, which is, again, best done with therapists. But once you get started and really comfortable with essentially having your adult self having a conversation with your child self inside. Like, it's not your adult self, however old we are, having a tantrum or lashing out or projecting anger. And when we are hurt, that's when it really comes up. What's when it really manifests? And let's look at, take a step back. What is that? What is that hurt? What is that sadness? What is that anger telling me? It's where am I not being met? What need is not being met? How can I meet this need myself? myself as a fully functioning, fully capable adult, not this little vulnerable child that I once was looking right. to my parents to meet this need, looking to adults, other people to. So we stop seeking. And this is a big, big part of the spiritual journey. We stop seeking from outside ourselves and we start meeting our own needs. And that right. is where the fulfillment and that full connection. It's not to say that we stop enjoying being with other people. Of course we don't. We're human beings. We love that connection. We thrive off yeah. of it. It's beautiful, beautiful. But when we have that connection, first and foremost with ourselves, then the rest of our relationships become so authentic, so full, so sort of devoid of judgment and ego and the need to push up and fight against each other. And we just soften. We just soften because we're now meeting our own needs. We're now listening so we're not tantruming on the floor or lashing out or <laughs> reacting anymore. Right. And sometimes none of us are saints. Of course, when we're, if we hit a super, super core trigger, we'll flare. But it's what we do when we feel that flare in ourselves. Do we go with it? Not recommended. <laughs> because as we all know, <laughs> the repairing of that is um, often really quite messy and painful right. for all parties involved. Or do we take a step back and just not react? Just be still, listen. We can even excuse ourselves from the situation. That's probably the healthiest thing to do. And just say, you know what? I just need, I just need a few minutes to just 
sit with this and I'll, I'll come right back to you. <laughs> right, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. And just being with that emotion, don't repress it. Don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. We don't need to do that. We don't need to inflict more harm on ourselves, but just sitting with it and say, and just have a friendly conversation. Well, okay. What's really going on here? What do I need? What am I really upset about? What am I really hurt about? And what do I really need from this? So that's, I think that's that journey. Yeah, that's great. And you, you mentioned that you think that inner child work should be done with a therapist. And yeah. I actually don't necessarily yeah. agree with that. I think that really? if we are open enough to ourselves, yeah, I mean, that's a belief, right? But you're a deeply evolved <laughs> person, Michelle. You've done yeah. the work. Would you have Yeah, been but capable? I didn't. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I do think that if you have the right kind of guide, you, you may or may not need a therapist, but you have the right kind of guide who's going to support you. Guide. You mm -hmm. don't necessarily need a therapist. A, th a therapist is going to have a little bit more right. in the toolbox for you. Mm, but me, mm. yeah, but, but there's another book that I've recently read. Uh, I read a lot <laughs> called It's Not Your Money by mm -hmm. Toshi Silver. Have you heard yes. of that one? Do you know this is the exact same person who mentioned the first book? that you mentioned earlier and mentioned Toshi Silver's It's Not Your Money. Yes. <laughs> yes. I read that years ago. <laughs> yeah. So well, I, I just came across it and I found it to be really, really good. And, and one of the, one of the exercises is to, you know, work with your inner child in that. And, and I think, you know, as long as we have a guide and we're open, I mean, we're not going to have any sort of psychotic break by looking at our, at our unmet needs, you know, the, the inner child's un, unmet needs or the, the history anything like that, you know, I, I don't think you need a therapist. I think, I think when we I, have everything we need inside of ours. I do believe we do have everything inside of us, but when there's, we don't know what's happened in sometimes in our own lives, we don't know things that have happened in people's lives. And there is some really dark trauma there can be. Sure. and abuse. I'm from that situation and Me I too. did work with an inner child therapist and then I moved on to another, a guide. She wasn't, and she does this, do this type of work where we're looking at all the distortions and the fragmentations and the shadow selves, which I understood at that moment because I really felt I stood at the precipice of madness. I'm not to scare anyone. I never went to a mental hospital, but I really understood at that very point what schizophrenia means. When you look and it was just these fragments of our souls when that come in to protect us, of course, always to protect us. It's all about self-preservation and to protect yeah. that little child inside where however they manifest themselves, whether it's the judge, of course, the inner, which is the inner critic is one huge one yeah. of them, whether it's like the wild hedonist, whether it's, you know, whatever, insert the blank. We all have these archetypes, these shadow archetypes that we distort into and that come at you. You might recognize it like, Sometimes in the past, when I was triggered, my voice would literally change. The warrior would come out and my voice would change. Mm. It would drop about three octaves and I would suddenly be in warrior mode because it was suddenly coming, stepping Don't up. Don't mess with me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to, yes, absolutely. Yeah, to protect, yeah. to protect sure. because it sends sure. threat. And it was like, okay, I have to be a warrior now. And it yeah. was, there's all of that, which is because of the trauma behind all of that, I could see where look, when someone devolves into devolves and unravels into full-blown schizophrenia and mental health issues, that's just a shadow self that has stepped up and taken over. And the higher self, the, the cognizant adult self is not strong enough. It's not developed enough to take back over and to bring exactly. themselves back. Exactly. Well, there's so, more, there's more to it than that. I mean, I think, you know, when we're abused as children, mm -hmm. so I come from a pretty, I mean, there's a whole year of my life. I don't remember. I talk about this. You don't know this, but you know, you probably haven't heard. I talk about it pretty freely. So how it changed for me was that, am I going to let that child run my life? And that, mm -hmm. you know, because a child doesn't have the experience to filter through like my five-year-old self who said, I for have to sure. be a doctor. Right. Sure. And so I can take my adult experience and my adult knowledge and go back to those experiences and say, those are things that happened to my body because men did not have control of their sexuality. I can say that. And it's rational. And it, you know, it happened, but it doesn't define who I am. It happened to my body. Sure. Right. And so I wouldn't let them, you know, and, and so now it's, it's good because I could take back my soul from that. And, and at the time I didn't have the, the adult way of looking through it in a filter, but now I can say, okay, it's something that happened. It happened. It made me who I am today. Good thing, bad thing. Who knows? It's 
it's who I am. You know, it's something that happened to who to to that person. I don't have to live and look through that filter for every single experience anymore. And so, while I may be easily startled, and that may never change, <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I don't look at every every man as a threat anymore. I think it's amazing and incredible that you were strong enough to reach that place. And I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution. There isn't. There it isn't. depends how people, I hope, know themselves well enough to say, you know what, I would really appreciate having a trusted, qualified guide, compassionate, who can lead me through this process or some people might be very, very happy to wing it and do it on their own and feel like they have enough of a background and a foundation and the tools. And there's no wrong or right answer. For me personally, I really appreciated having a guide walk me through at least the first parts. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that you'll be in therapy or doing this for years or relying on this for years. I do it with myself all the time now. I have those, all right, what's going on conversations, much as I would do with my nine or 12-year-old, because you can yeah. see so clearly when it's your children. I know you're not upset about that. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I, and I, even as an empath, I even know what you are really upset about. So let's, as it's so much easier to do that when it's objective, when it's your child yeah. outside of you versus yourself. But I, I think hopefully people have enough self-awareness to know when they need help and when they can do it on their own. And it's not to, I'm not in favor of those therapists, whatever you call them, a healer, a psychotherapist, psychiatrist. I'm not in favor of those therapists who basically enjoy having the same client for 15, 20 years my attitude is if you have the same therapist for the 15 or 20 years, you're seeing the wrong therapist because yeah. you would have evolved past, past that by now. Not that there's anything wrong with that therapist, but you would have evolved from the need to work with maybe that modality or that person and you would have grown to something else. Mm -hmm. That's just my... Yeah, no, I agree with you. It. I mean, listen, my, my personal experience with therapists was not, you know, it, it just, I didn't find them that much that helpful. And I was able to go inside and, and get, you know, kind of my own help. That's beautiful. But it took time, you know, and yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't immediate at all. You know, it's not like a Tony Robbins conference, right? It's like, I have said, I know, conference. I know there's a lot of Tony Robbins fans out there and I think it definitely serves a purpose. He has a very mm -hmm. positive message, but for me, techniques and modalities like that have always been more of a plaster. It's a feel, it's equivalent of taking a pill where you feel fabulous. It's a pump up and then you come yeah. back, but where are the tools to apply that to your day-to-day -day life? How do you carry right. that? That's why our approach is root level up. Let's really work from the subconscious up. Let's really equip people. Those highs are fabulous, but the path and the journey, it's not about it's not possible to live life at that high. Our bodies can't sustain it. We phys physiologically just can't sustain it. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's let's go in and let's really deal with the root, the issues of the issues that we're feeling that are manifesting themselves in repeated patterns of behavior and actions in a life that's not necessarily our healthiest version of our life. So as much as I love some of the things that Tony Robbins is about, it's, mm -hmm. it's a feel-good plaster for a weekend or a week. And, and then you go back to your normal life. And then what do you do? What tools do you have at your disposal to keep evolving, to keep growing, to keep uncovering, to keep unfolding? Back That's where into Louis Ashram comes in, right? <laughs> us. And, and uh, we're not the only ones out there, but of course yeah. us. I actually haven't yeah. seen anyone else that's similar to us because we have our well-being app. We actually launched our online shop on, um, when was that? Yesterday? No. One Wednesday. Sorry. Time is a blur now in lockdown. Yeah. So we have... We launch our online shop where people can just buy for, and they have it for life, our guided well-being practices. So it's our right. guided practices. We have our conscious breathing on there. We have our brand new body scan morning and evening. They're very different from any other body scan you've ever done because it incorporates yeah. energy work in there and clearing specific to the emotions that we hold in each center, but done in a very accessible, guided, easily understandable way. And we have our forgiveness and gratitude practice there. And for that, we're doing pay what you can because we don't want finances to ever be a barrier. So they start at 10 pounds, they go up to 25. Mm -hmm. And that's all accessible through our website. And it's 
it's and what's we your just website? really wanted it's livingashram.com so it's just living mm-hmm. and then a-s-h-r-a-m.com and you just click right. on the shop icon to get there but we really right. want it to be accessible to everyone and it's people learn in different ways so we have on our resource hub of our well-being app and everyone has a one month free trial so people can go in explore see really what resonates with them on our resource hub we have articles we have resources so there's urgent helplines that you can call there's a separate one for the us and the uk And Mm -hmm. you can see the list of organizations on there, synopsis about each one, zero in, choose the one that resonates with you. And the free phone number is directly, you can call it directly from the app. And we were really inspired by, or well, the World Health Organization stats on that 800,000 people every year lose their life to suicide. And and that's one person every 40 seconds. We thought this was so tragic that it's by choice, not by any other reason, 800,000 lives wiped off the face of this earth. We wanted people to really know there's always someone at the end of the phone. There's someone who cares. You matter. You matter. We want you here. <laughs> like You matter. Your life matters. You can make something. No matter how dark it seems, just stay. Take that first step. And that's where... But then we have much more cheerful things too, Michelle. Not all of you are going <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. I think that's great. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think they they can people can go to livingashram.com and get involved and get your app on the app store or on Google Play and get started. So I think this is great. All right. And, you know, it was amazing speaking to you. I don't, we didn't even well, cover some of what I wanted to talk about, like digging deeper and facing our fears and then all of those have you juicy come things. Back another time. We'll have you come <laughs> I back would and love talk to. about facing it your was fear. Amazing. Yeah, and great. I loved hearing your stories and your experiences. Yeah. And it's so beautiful to share and connect like this. So thank you. Now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at menopausemovement.com or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. Here at the Menopause Movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. We regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. To get notified of our next beta group, simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I appreciate you. 